On this week's episode, will GameStop's latest blunder be the final nail in the coffin? Restructuring the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and what will happen to the movie theater industry? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own TP hunter for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. His awesome podcast, Topic Ocalypse, and of course his book, which you should get today on Kindle for just $2.99. Congratulations, you suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You know, just uh just trying to get some toilet paper, trying to stay clean, you know. Tell you, man, one of these days you're just gonna have to go swing around there like Indiana Jones, find that last roll of TP and just make sure you get it before the whole mob crew comes after you and you could just go slide away in your in you know in your vehicle just in the nick of time with that last roll of tp you know just ah gotta get that tp gotta get the tp but it is going to be a great episode we're going to be talking about a lot of subjects including restructuring the marvel cinematic universe because of what's going on with the coronavirus we're going to put josh and maybe myself as well in the role of Kevin Feige and seeing how everything he had intended to lay out way back when, when he announced the lineup for the next couple of years for the next phase, phase four at Comic-Con, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, that all could be changing. So we're going to be sitting in the role of Kevin Feige and saying, you know what, maybe we need to make some changes within the structure and framework of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we'll throw out some ideas coming out here in a bit. Plus also as well, the movie theater industry has been hit very, very hard by the coronavirus, as is the case with most industries out there. What will happen to the movie theater industry going forward? We're going to talk about that coming up at the back end of the show. But first off, my friend, we want to go ahead and finish our conversation on GameStop stemming from last week's PC Multiverse. Because as you remember, when we last left GameStop, they were calling themselves an essential store that needs to be open nationwide and keeping their doors open in defiance of what many state governors were asking them to do. And we talked about the differences and how they were approaching their business as opposed to our good friend Douglas Hoyabu at Retro City Games. And it looks like after some persuasion by law enforcement in several states and their business license being suspended in Pennsylvania, they are finally complying with the state governor's wishes out there for them to close. And they are closing nationwide and that they're only open to e-commerce and drive through, drive up, pick up service, that type of deal. You know, they, you, you ask for what you want, you go ahead and get it, you pay for it all through your car, nothing go ahead as far as you coming in, doing the normal transaction type deal. So I ask you, my friend, this is another major black mark on the ledger for GameStop right now. They've had a 
quite a few black eyes, not only this year, but in the past recent years, couple years, two, three, four years, and you know they don't have the greatest reputation at all anyways. So I ask you, my friend, is this latest blunder by GameStop, this latest PR faux pas, per se, something that will be maybe the final deal that strike the final blow that that ends GameStop and something which you know maybe GameStop can't recover from I don't know cuz I feel like they were fighting really hard because they were they're on the verge of being closed down it's economics for them it's not really just a matter of trying to be relevant or like going against the against the grain it's they're they're on their last leg and I, if they shut down Who's to say they're going to have the revenue to open back up again, right? They let their employees are only getting two weeks worth of pay and say this thing lasts longer. Uh, obviously, it's going to last longer than two weeks, but say this thing lasts, you know, well into August or September, they're not going to have the power to reopen, right? Not to mention that in this time, right, from August to September, or not August, from now to September, they're losing out on on big releases, right? The Doom and Animal Crossing. We already talked about those. Final Fantasy VII remake, Cyberpunk. You know the chance to pre-order the new consoles, right? Like, there's a lot of things that they're missing out on. So those are big revenue opportunities for them. And if they don't, if their doors aren't open to pursue those things, then yes, they are going to go out of business. It's just it's economics that's keeping them uh, that is making them think that they're able to they're allowed to stay open because if they close then it's really how are they going to come back you know this could be the nail in the coffin for them and that's what's so interesting about this because in the past we've talked about them and their either bad luck or bad management or just you know poor performance overall they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars not you know just a million or two not just you know in the tens in the hundreds of millions of dollars per year over the past two, three plus years now as a company, and they've been unable to find someone to bail them out or even buy their company outright from them. They've had to go ahead and close ThinkGeek. They've had to go ahead and, like you talked about, them being more of a collectible store at this point in time because they had to go ahead and bring in all of ThinkGeek's inventory and disperse that to all the stores before the coronavirus hit, they were thinking about going ahead and introducing a new concept type store. Then they had several proposals, which they were going ahead and do into some test market stores and things of that nature. So they were trying some things before the coronavirus hit. But as we talked about earlier this year, there was the issue of what they were still telling consumers, the hard driving sales and and the, the certain things that they were going ahead and putting pressure on their employees for, which were getting a lot of bad press in both Polygon and IGN. In fact, you remember it came out on the same day within 10 minutes roughly of each other. I think it was the the actual thing we were quoting on here in a recent episode from the past. So I want to ask you, my friend, with the way GameStop is doing business, I know we talked about Reggie Philam on the last episode becoming a board member now, but do you think that if there was a new change in leadership that would bring maybe a new way or new focus of doing things? Or do you think at this point they should just go ahead and shelve or nix virtually most or all of their brick and mortar stores? They're not doing, they're not hitting the right markets because think about it like this, like, yes, gamers do like collectibles, but at the same time, we're not, gamers aren't buying 
the the used game market is not what it used to be, right? Like a lot of these things you're buying in store, they're selling them, whether physical, uh, new or used or whatever it is, they're selling them for a lot more than people are willing to pay for them. And what keeps a lot of the brick and mortar stores open, like the mom and pa shops, is the fact that they aren't they're selling video games, right? They're selling things from like the PlayStation Two, PlayStation One, Sega Saturn, Sega Genesis, like. That, in my opinion, is a legit gaming store, and that's why I prefer to go to those stores instead of the uh, the brick and mortar GameStop stores because they are they're a gaming store. You know, like with uh, with GameStop, it's they they're a collectible store with two or three shelves of video games, and that's not uh, what that feels very corporate to me. Very hot topic, very corporate. It doesn't feel right. And you go in there, and we talked about this before too. The people can't talk to you. Their managers get mad at them for having a conversation with you. So why bother going in there? I go to a, you know, a place that has like retro games in there and they, they, they'll talk with me all day, you know, and it's just, it's one of those things. GameStop is not a very welcoming place and they're not really a video game store. You know, it's not, they don't, you go in there and you don't feel friendly. You feel like you're trying to get there, trying to get you to buy your thing and then get you out. And that's not a healthy sales strategy for a store that sells not a huge variety of games. And then remember they've tried over the course of the past few years, they've tried everything from getting back into retro stuff. They, they went really hard into retro for just like a hot minute. And then they were what I think they still, as of this point are trying to get you to go ahead and sell your phone to them or your laptop or your tablet or anything down there. They wanted to get your electronics they stopped talking about video games per se and just put that on the back burner. Uh, and then also they were just, you know, just trying a whole bunch of things. Think Geek, like I said, they bought out Think Geek and they thought that was going to be a great acquisition for them. And unfortunately they could not keep that open. And their, their plans with Think Geek looks like they went awry. And you see the fallout from it. They've now influxed all their stores with bunches of collectibles that, just for the most part, gather dust because they're not competitively priced. I mean, you could go and get many of the pops, many of the t-shirts, many of the things that you see there at other places somewhat cheaper than what they're selling them at GameStop. You're looking for maybe there's some GameStop exclusives, but as their buying power gets less and less, their notoriety gets less and less as well. Yeah, I agree. They're not paying attention to the markets that actually care about them. They're trying to create all these different markets. They're a video game store that doesn't sell a lot of video games, and I think that is the foundation of their problem. It is. So it's very disappointing to see what has become of GameStop and their defiance in the midst of a pandemic. It's not a good look for them. And this is one in a series of PR blunders that they've had in recent years that is it's just you don't see anything good coming down the pike for them which is a shame because as you as a video game aficionado and me as someone who has been you know involved with video games ever since the you know the late 1970s and someone who actually ran a video game store it's a shame because if GameStop goes out there's really no nationwide chain to take over there's really no one that's going to be interested in saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and open 500, 600 stores. I mean, there's a couple smaller chains that are out there that have stores in several states, but they're not going to be to the extent that 
GameStop is and that GameStop was for that matter before they started closing stores as well. And that's a shame also to the thousands of employees that they have, which are going to be adversely affected as well. But they brought this on to themselves. I mean, they were the big boy at one point in time that nobody could touch. I mean, when I was running Game Crazies, they were the preeminent game store anywhere. And their name was just synonymous with, okay, whatever new game is coming out, I got to go get it there. And now that's not the case. You can literally go and get it anywhere. Pre-ordering is not necessary unless you're trying to find a collector's piece. There's really no need to go ahead and pre-order if you're just getting a regular version. You can go and get it on Amazon. You can download it off the PlayStation or Xbox stores. You could just walk into a Walmart or Target when it's safe to go ahead and do so. Not right now, really, unless you're just going to go ahead and pick up some food, like I said last week. But, you know, it's just so much easier now in these days to go ahead and purchase video games that it seems almost unnecessary to go, that it seems unnecessary, in a sense, to go to GameStop. You know, even getting retro games, you can get retro games pretty much anywhere you want. You can go to a local mom and pop store, like you said, Retro City Games, like we've said, here in Las Vegas area mom and pop stores across the country or just get it off the Amazon or Ebay's of the world. And you're just as good as if you bought it from GameStop themselves. Yeah. And they're also a lot friendlier and I'm more inclined to help them out because I appreciate what they're doing. You know, I appreciate their love of games or as GameStop is a very, and this sounds bad, but they're a very heartless company. Their employees obviously like video games or else they wouldn't be working there. But the, other than that, like you what are you getting from them? You know, you're not getting anything. You're just kind of promoting a corporation as opposed to giving people who have spent a lot of money and a lot of time and put a lot of effort into maintaining these big businesses that are these, uh, you know, these shops that they've opened up. They're they're small business owners. They're independent. They they are the ones that really need our support. So why would I go to GameStop to buy something and have them not talk to me and not really treat me well? as opposed to going to a place that actually has just racks and racks of video games and people who will talk to you, people who really do care about their job. That's the big question here is who is more worthy of our money, the people who run the small business video game stores or GameStop? And I think that question's easy to answer. That question, unfortunately, now is easy answer. And after several public relations fiascos, it looks like for GameStop, the future which wasn't even the brightest to begin with, which we have said on the show is not looking all that hot anyways, is now looking even bleaker. What are your thoughts on GameStop's insistence on being essential in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic? If you have an opinion on what's going on with GameStop, and if you'll actually return to a GameStop to buy products out there, we'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. I want you to go ahead. You're in Marvel Tower, my friend. You're sitting back at your desk. 
you're, you're you got the nameplate right there. It says Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, right there, right there. In fact, we'll call it Kevin, nicknamed Josh Feige. How about that for you? We're going to go ahead and have you look at the situation right now, which is obviously due to what's going on with the coronavirus, very concerning. They recently had to postpone the upcoming Black Widow movie, which is now up in the air on when it's ever going to come out and if it's going to come out to a movie format or a streaming format. I know people out there talking about Wonder Woman and DC and Warner Brothers, you know, just trying to go back and forth and deliberating whether or not they should just go straight to streaming. I'm sorry, that's a $750 to a billion dollar movie, just like Black Widow, if it comes out to theaters. Even in a market where all theaters may not be open, it still will generate a lot of funds. I don't think for either of them, the prospect will be there personally to go ahead and go straight to streaming. I think both of them will be on a theatrical format at some point in time. So I ask you, my friend, this coronavirus is going to necessitate a restructuring of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's start off with maybe where would you place the Black Widow movie, and then we'll go from there. Well, the Black Widow movie, are we talking about as far as like releasing goes? Yes. We're, I mean, because it, it, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, the Black Widow movie will still be the first Phase 4 Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Possibly a July, August, September release. But I'm seriously downing that if this goes too much longer. Because as the weeks and the months go by... You and I talked about release dates for for these games, and if GameStop was closed until July, August, September, I have a feeling if it goes beyond that and these movie theaters don't reopen in the summer, this could be some real serious reshaping of where it goes. Black Widow, where would you put it if that's the case? You know, as far as releasing goes, I... That's tough because I've been watching this whole thing. I've been watching the way that people are responding to it you know and i've kind of have come to the conclusion here that people are still willing to pay to watch movies but if you notice people are really stoked about the idea of being able to watch a movie that's in theaters from their couch and so i am looking at this as a at as the you know maybe a new structure of movie viewing maybe a new type of movie viewing because you have these people who you know, we're in the Netflix and chill era. So people are okay paying a, a certain price to watch a movie, but they are more stoked about doing it from their couch than going to the movie theater. So that being said, with Black Widow, I would push it out. I would push it out as soon as possible. They're already talking about having Wonder Woman be a straight to video on demand release. And people are that that's just what the news I've been reading on. Oh no, I know that's you hear one report says that they're thinking about it. You hear another report says they're not thinking about it. You know, if it's on the table, but then again, you'll be losing out on several hundred million dollars at the theaters. Yeah, of course. But I mean, if you look at it, people are still willing to pay like the, the 1999 to get the video on demand. People are still willing to pay that. So I, I feel like you are, there is still a market for it. It's just not going to be what it used to be in this whole coronavirus thing might actually be a good demonstration of what is the changing movie landscape what needs to be done in order to fix it you know to adapt to move on so that's a very um 
know, very interesting idea. And, uh, you know, I would go ahead if if DC is willing to put out Wonder Woman, I would honestly like I would go ahead and put uh, Black Widow out straight to digital, especially since things are so unclear right now. Nobody knows when people are going to be willing to go back into the movie theaters, especially since, uh, you know, a lot of the data coming out saying even once the coronavirus is gone, who's to say that it won't just jump right back? So I, I don't see, you know, you know how, how even even when that curve flatlines, you know, who is to say that people are going to be running to go back out to the movie theater? You know, that's the big question here. Like, what's the financial situation? Are they willing to take a risk like that and say, hey, meanwhile, you know, this company's putting this movie straight to DVD or straight to video on demand but we're going to go ahead and shoot for that movie theater release. I don't know if that's a risk that I would be willing to take. The thing is, though, Black Widow is a movie that you and I have been talking about for a long time. You and I have been going back and forth on this ever since the inception of the show. And this is something that should have taken place a long time ago. The only thing that is going to really come out of it, I mean, you're, I, I was watching a YouTube video the other day that they said that most likely the reviews will probably start off with, well, this is a good movie, but this should have come out at this point in time. This should, this should have come out in phase three. This should have come out in phase two. This should have come out many years ago. And you're already starting off with that against it. I'm thinking that maybe it doesn't need to go first. I'm thinking that maybe you should start off with the Eternals, which is scheduled right now later in the year i think november if i'm not mistaken maybe you should start off with that one first move black widow and this hurts me when i say this because i have been clamoring for years for a black widow movie my daughters are big black widow fans and this would actually hurt me very much to say this but i think maybe black widow can be moved to some point in the schedule next year because what it really does outside of establishing her story and that she had a life and, and a family before she mentioned she didn't have a family in Avengers Endgame, which was, you know, makes it totally weird because how she mentioned she didn't have a family until the Avengers. And, you know, as we see in Black Widow, she did have a family. But again, I digress on that. It establishes, you know, what most people are speculating is the beginning of the Thunderbolts because you have Thunderbolt Ross in there, you have, uh, you know, the Taskmaster in there, and you're thinking, you know, a lot of people are speculating, and I think rightly so, that this is probably going to establish the beginnings of and the workings of Thunderbolt, because you're, you're seeing, you know, Baron Zemo in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're seeing what is the U.S. agent in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're starting to see the semblance and the formation of the Thunderbolts. And I have a feeling that at some point in time, they're going to introduce them as a group and collectively go after, you know, the, whatever the Avengers are at that point in time. I have a feeling, you know, if you watch it or if I watch it, I've been waiting for a long time for it, but I feel that it can go maybe at summer next year. It could be maybe bump, bump a Dr. Strange two and put that as maybe the, the late autumn because i'm not even sure as a horror movie doctor strange 2 would be a wise fit at that prime movie location as may at the, what they're talking about at this point in time i was thinking about starting with the eternals first and foremost later this year 
Yeah. Okay. So on that note, though, like if we're just going to play it safe and push, you know, all these big heroes, we're going to push their movies back more. There needs to be some kind of, I guess, more Disney Plus content, more things that are maybe not doing a full adventure for a lot of these heroes, but kind of checking in on where they're at. Because I think that it's if you don't come back strong with a big name property for your first movie after you know, the movie theater has been closed down for this long, it's not going to be a lot of incentive to go to the movie theaters. You know, it's like I, well, I see winter and uh, even, you know, that's a good, this is, this is really hard because I know they stopped filming a lot of the Disney plus shows too. So, oh, geez. You see the, you see the quandary you're in, Kevin, as I call you right now, Mr. Feige, sir. You see the options that you have and you see the quandary that you're in because the fact that you, you know, it's just with with everything being bumped back. But also, you got to remember, at the time that you know Spider Man Far From Home ended its run, people were kind of burnt on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You were kind of tired of it. I mean, it's now going to be going on maybe a year or more, year year and a half before you see the next Marvel product. So maybe that's not such a bad thing as far as people getting that anticipation once again. Yeah, but wouldn't you also say Black Widow is a safe property to release ASAP because it's a familiar it, and safe product. I agree with you, but it, it just it the timeline is always it's whacked. Where is that? Well, because Black Widow is it's a flashback film, so that's why I feel like it's such a safe release for them. It is, and, and if you could say that way, you're right. But I, you know, it, this is a movie that should have come out a long time ago, and I understand the higher ups that were above kevin feige at the time wouldn't allow this and black panther to come out as you know even sooner than it did and that's a shame because both of them i think would have been a good fit for phase two or early phase three but you know what i just think it if it continues and you cannot show movies in july there you're going to get into some problems because you're going to go ahead and you're going to try and introduce a movie maybe in August. And you and I have always talked about how August is like feast or famine. And as you get closer to the school year, if it comes to the point where the kids are being rushed back into the school year, this could be really something that could hurt that movie even more. But you're right. The the theater industry, as we're going to be talking about on the back end of the show, is going to need some type of injection of, of quality films, of high profile films to come out almost instantly as soon as all these theaters come out. And and maybe you're right, Black Widow could be the case, but I just don't want to see Black Widow end up being, you know, falling flat on his face because it deserves a lot better than that. Well, I mean, if you look at the lineup of films that are slated to come out or that are going to, you know, going to be ready by the time this whole thing's over, there's not really a big selection, you know, because let, let's say one of these movies you're talking about, Doctor Strange, right? say that they haven't finished filming that movie, they're not going to be able to release that. So it would be a matter of them having to keep pushing things back and back and back. And, you know, at this point, they'll be lucky if they can get something into the big summer movie spot. And that is seeming highly unlikely, at least right now, at the rate things are going. So, yeah, this is a, it might not be, they might want to just hold off until, the holiday season to release something big. Uh, I don't see like it se- uh, September, you know, we've talked about this before, right? September, October, not being great spots for films. So, uh, I mean, I mean the it chapter two, it chapter one, 
those were one of the rare movies that have really gone to box office huge yeah. success during those September months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, August, Feast or Famine, what Dunkirk was released in August, that did pretty good. But the last movie that we can think of off the top of our heads that really did blockbusters was Guardians of the Galaxy in August. So that's something, you know, you got to think about. Do you want to go ahead and risk putting a movie like Black Widow out in a August, September deal? Or do you just wait until November to restart the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Eternals? Or do you bump it and keep bumping it back like we were talking about and put Black Widow in his place in the wintertime? Okay, I've just taken my stance right now. I would wait until November. I put it out Thanksgiving weekend. Black Widow or Eternals? I would do Black Widow because you are on a holiday. All the kids are home from school. The kids know Black Widow. I would put Black Widow out in November. Because you know Bond's coming out right around that time. As of now, Bond was moved yeah, back. Yeah, no, that's, that's the perfect time, though. You have two films. One, and here's an interesting quandary for you, too. You have two films, both about secret agents or spies or whatever you want to call them. One is centered around a male character. The other centered around a female character. There is literally something for everybody. It's perfect. <laughs> nice job, Kevin. Nice job. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos video game box art the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images don't forget to check out video game box art the stories behind the covers celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them this and many more from rob mccallum films well we talked about what we should start off the marvel Cinematic universe with but I wanted to ask you, Josh slash Kevin, you've talked about where you wanted to place it. And for me, that's not such a bad idea after all, saying that Black Widow should be pushed back to November and you're going to push back what's going on with the Eternals, Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange 2, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I think you should put on that February schedule, I think you should put the Eternals because you've already done most of your work there all i think you're just basically what at this point touching up as far as special effects and maybe doing a reshoot a little bit here and there so you've got the eternals maybe going to a february slot and then the problem becomes do you prioritize doctor strange 2 or shang chi for that may release doctor strange 2 i'm not in love with especially because it is a wannabe horror movie it's going to be a pg-13 horror movie that's going to scare a lot of younger audiences primarily. But I think it's important to the overall scheme of things when you talk about the multiverses and all that. With Shang-Chi, I really want to see that film. And you talked about it as well because we're both Kung Fu fans and we would like to see a Kung Fu film being given what it does, you know, the, the whole genre deserves and have a really, really big worldwide release because we have really, you know, we've not seen that as far as a Kung Fu movie, have that type of backing, have that type of high intensity type of promotion that we think the Kung Fu genre deserves. But the problem is, I think if push comes to shove and they push back, as you and I I think are both agreeing now, Black Widow to November, 
and you would probably put Eternals because it's a ready-made film or almost a ready-made film in February. Shang-Chi would probably be the odd individual movie out at this point. I think you'll have to go ahead and figure out somewhere in the timeline to put it. And that saddens me greatly because I think that film was going to rock if given the chance. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, again, as they're going to have to do some rebuilding initially, right? They're going to have to do some rekindling of interest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And like you had said, there's a lot of burnout following Spider-Man, right? So now they're going to have to do, especially with these shows that people were waiting for, you know, August or what is... When was the first Disney Plus show supposed to be released? Is August? August, that's correct. It is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. It is still scheduled for then, but it has stopped filming, so that means not all the episodes have been shot. Yes. So, I mean, especially with those probably not coming out, like that's a it would be smart to put something out that people recognize, people know. And they're going to have, you know, like I said, they're going to have to do some like rebuilding and then they're going to have to make references maybe over these Disney Plus shows towards things that are about to come out. They're going to almost have to start from scratch, but like a soft reboot. And that would be an issue because with everything that's going on in the world, if people get distracted and all that. That's going to be hard for them to go ahead and promote. But I hear you. It's just I'm always wanted to know what is the motivation behind putting Black Widow now and not sooner? I think they just could not find a place on it on the schedule once Kevin Feige got the reins of it. And where and why is it coming out when it's coming out with Phase 4? You know, what is it going to do to tell a story other than the Thunderbolts? I want to know what that is going to establish. Because as you know, even from Iron Man in Phase 1, almost every one of those stories built and led up to what we saw in Avengers Endgame. What will Black Widow do, other than maybe introducing us to the next Black Widow, do as far as that's concerned? Because I think that's probably the only thing I can surmise outside of Thunderbolts. But when it comes to Thunderbolts, how important a future will the Thunderbolts have? I don't see them as someone you could go ahead and have a Avengers Endgame level movie with. They can have their own movie, but... I don't see them as far as being a, pardon the pun, endgame type deal. They can't be a Thanos-level type event. They can be an Ultron-level type event. You can have a battle with them as far as the Avengers, you know, the Avengers versus the Thunderbolts at some point in time if you want, and that would create a movie in and of itself. But I don't see them being an end goal for that part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it leads into detail about Black Widow's place in this whole thing, what stories do you really want to tell for Black Widow to be justified in this time frame? Well, she only has one story to tell, and that's the one that they have geared up to tell. And they've already released the trailers. They've already done a majority of the marketing. So it feels like this is the right time for something like that to come out. And once this is out of the way, then they can really start to push the next phase of films, right? Because uh, Black Widow is no longer with us, God rest her soul. Once that's out of the way, they can really start focusing. I think it's a smart move to release this first because after that, then they can really do the build-up to whatever's coming next in the MCU without having to worry about backtracking. So, Kevin, I want you to go ahead and take a look into your crystal ball. Kevin, a.k.a. slash Josh, of course. I want you to go ahead and look in that crystal ball 
and you see what's coming up in Marvel Phase 4. I said against all my better judgment, possibly, I think if maybe any of the Phase 4 projects, maybe even what if, maybe if you swapped Shang-Chi into what if scenario, the what if series going on Disney Plus, that is coming out in summer 2021. Maybe if you could bump what if back and put Shang-Chi in its place, that wouldn't be a bad idea. But I want to hear your thoughts, man. I mean, if you're looking at phase four and you're talking about where you want to go with it, because you also have to do a lot of introducing of characters. You also have to do a lot of hints towards the future with possible Fantastic Four, X-Men references and all that, even Deadpool and all that. So if you're looking at phase four and the movies of and the projects of phase four, what else are you going to restructure around it? Because I think for me, it has to be Shang-Chi. I wouldn't take it off the list. I would just go ahead and move it in place of the what if, which you can pretty much put at any point in time in the schedule in any year and will still be eaten up by fans of Disney+. Plus. Okay, this might sound crazy, but if it were me, I would Okay, do... go ahead, Kevin. You sound crazy, but go ahead. As Kevin, because from what I understand, they're toying with the idea of keeping the Defenders, right? They're the Netflix heroes, the people who played them in the shows. I would use either Daredevil or, you know, don't throw stones at me, but do another season of Iron Fist, and I would make references. <laughs> well, I mean, there either one, Daredevil or Iron Fist, and make references to Shang-Chi. You know, do do the whole thing. You know how with uh, in Daredevil they had Lady Mao, right? And then they had the little dragon on the drugs, and that's what Matt Murdock was chasing for so long. They could, should make references. They need to do buildups. You know, that's what got people so stoked about Avengers, right? They had the post-credit scenes and everything that said, you know, we're building a team or I'm going down to New Mexico or something like that, you know? And it's, they if they do stuff like that, then that will create an audible buzz for people who, who will want to go see these movie theaters, especially with a hero so unknown like Shang-Chi. It would be smart of them to use properties where that he has existed in to kind of hype up his legacy and then boom, just throw him on the screen like that and people will be stoked about it. I There are some properties like Shang-Chi where I don't think that's the, uh, you know, they'll have the curiosity factor that Guardians of the Galaxy did, right? Because Guardians of the Galaxy had already been featured in like the 90s X-Men and every kid grew up watching that show. Whereas Shang-Chi is kind of his own character right he has never been he's been in the comic books he's been in spider-man comics he's been in daredevil comics he's been in iron fist comics but he was always known as like iron fist's sidekick so they need to do something to kind of hype up what a big deal he is and then i think that would be a proper move to get people hyped enough to go out to the theaters to watch this i won't throw rocks at you maybe some tp but i won't throw rocks at you Hey man, I'm running low, so anything you any TP you want to throw my way would be helpful. I can't throw it that far from Las Vegas, but you know what I'm going to do. I will tell you this, my friend, that it was an interesting concept, but that's going to be a hard sell. Iron Fist, which I would do another Iron Fist. I would not get the Danny Rand from from Netflix. I'm sorry. I'm, he just okay. too, much, too much bad mojo with that. And that's fine, but they already they need to make it pre-exist in the that world where um, what's his name? The guy that plays. They need to make it exist within the Netflix world. If they're just going to retcon the actor and put it in someone new and just have him pick up right where the last one left off, 
that'd be awesome, you know, but they've already created all these little things and I don't think they would be able to, uh, to do it like that, especially if they're going to keep Charlie Cox as daredevil. And they're talking about what Jessica Ritter staying around as Jessica Jones and John Bernthal. I think they're done with Luke Cage and done with iron fist, but they need to maybe replace the actors if they don't like them. I don't know. just, it needs to be something they need to hype him up in a world where he is known to exist in the comic books. But the thing is with Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, I don't think that movie, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, I don't think that movie is geared towards the American market per se. If it makes a good chunk of change on the American marketplace, I think that's awesome. I just think this is geared more towards the Asian markets. And the, I, I just think it's geared more towards China, that whole Asia market that sorely needs something that they can identify with in all this. They've been buying into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for quite some time now, and it's about time that they have something that they can identify with 100%. And this is something that with Shang-Chi, I think would go over huge. You and I are really into it because of the Kung Fu factor, and you and I are hoping it's a worldwide success because of it. But I really think that movie is is being put out for a reason and it's going to be geared towards another marketplace outside of really a domestic marketplace. I think it really will be geared towards the Asian marketplaces and I think it will do really, really well. And I don't think it's bad that that it's going to do well. I think it's, that's a great sign that they're going to go ahead and accommodate that audience similar to what Black Panther has done, similar to what Captain Marvel has done, similar to all that. And you're introducing and bringing in everybody to go ahead and identify with characters on screen to help build your audience overall even more. So I see Shang-Chi as an important milestone, but also an important cog in this whole future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because as you see with Star Wars, Star Wars has never been really identified in China. It's not gone over well in China at all because they can't identify it. They didn't, you know, the, the marketplace did not actually show the first original ones at the time that they were produced. So they really have very little interest in the Star Wars movies, yet they've embraced the Marvel culture really well. And I think Shang-Chi is an important part of it, but having him go alongside Danny Rand and Iron Fist, I'm not exactly the no, highest. No, 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 no. I don't mean that he should go alongside him. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying they need to do, they need to make hints at him, show that he exists within this universe. Because a lot of people who know this market, or no, not the market, but know the character, they know his symbols, right? They know his name. They know his bad guys. They need to hint that he exists in that universe. You know, well, they we know to... some of it from Iron Man. No, they know the Mandarin. The... Yes, they know the Ten Rings, the Mandarin, the comic books, those aren't connected to each other. They're kind of taking some liberties with the movies here, but they need to build him up somehow. Uh, that He doesn't necessarily have to be in any of the shows. They need to hint at him the same way they hint at Captain America right in the Hulk by talking about the super soldier serum. They need to build him up like they did the Avengers. They need to talk about him, drop hints, Easter eggs in there to show they exist, kind of like what they do in the collector's cages, right? In Guardians of the Galaxy, they show Adam Warlock's egg and Howard the Duck and things like that. They need to show that he exists in this timeline and people will get, oh, that's 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 going to be really cool because that's coming out. You know, the same way at the end of Iron Man 2, they showed Coulson in New Mexico and they showed the hammer in the ground. Okay. 
So you're establishing that part of it. Okay, I get it. And that's fine. I think Shang-Chi will probably get bumped if I'm you know, thinking in the long lines of, of, of what Kevin Feige may do and what Kevin Josh Feige may do as well. I'm thinking Shang-Chi will get bumped to the summer. I think they're just going to go ahead and maybe leapfrog over Doctor Strange 2. I'm not in love with Doctor Strange 2 being that May Prime release, but they really don't have something else that can generate that kind of money or familiar enough property because Thor, Love and Thunder, you can't push that up too far. I mean, pushing that up, what, six months? I don't think you're going to be able to go ahead and do that. So what I'm going to be able to suggest at this point in time is put out, like you said, Black Widow in November. Let's move Eternals to February. Let's leapfrog in case of Shang-Chi, move that over into a summer type deal. Move what if into the next phase, because again, that's something that's not really needed 100% right now to the Disney plus audience. It's obviously content and Disney plus audience needs it, but as a overall Marvel cinematic universe thing, they don't really need need that show to be on when it's on. They can go ahead and tell those stories the next year after that in 2022, I think it is, 2022. And that's phase five, I think, at that point in time when you get into it. So you can go ahead and throw it there. I just think you need Shang-Chi, especially the, you know, the, there are certain markets that are out there that are could really be interested in something like this. I think it would really do well. Let's go ahead and put it in the summer of 2021. Again, leapfrog it over Doctor Strange 2. Keep Doctor Strange 2 on its May release and then end it off the year with Thor Love and Thunder. How about that, Kevin Feige, a.k.a. Josh? Okay. Well, I mean, hold on. I don't even have a list of the films that are in. Well, right now, if it started today, if everything was good and all that, you have Black Widow on May. Though it's like I said, it's been already postponed at this point in time. You have Eternals in November. Okay. You have WandaVision in spring of 2021. You have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like we talked about, August. In fact, actually, WandaVision was actually bumped up to a late 2020 release, I should say, as well. So Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision were scheduled to be in 2020. You have Loki coming in spring 2021. You have Hawkeye, that's up in the air, but they're still talking about it being sometime late 2021. Then you have, for the movies, you have Shang-Chi scheduled right now for a February release. You have Doctor Strange in May of next year. And then you have Thor, Love and Thunder in November 5th. Last but not least, sometime in the summer 2021, you have the What If series from Disney+, Plus, which I said you should bump out of the schedule and move Shang-Chi in that spot. Because if you're bumping the first two films, aka The Eternals and Black Widow, you're bumping those back. I think Chang-Chi should still get a release in 2021. I just think it should go into the summer and you can move what if off the schedule into the next year after that. Yeah, okay, I'll be honest. Far too many names to keep track of in that last uh, little bit there. But We'll be taking a test shortly. 
Yeah, seriously, I'm, my brain is fried just hearing all 40 million things coming out from Marvel this year we're supposed to. I would start with Black Widow, like I said, and then I would maybe put something less known and then maybe something more known, kind of alternate back and forth. Uh, obviously, with the Disney Plus properties, no one really knows anything about those yet because they haven't seen them. But assuming that they are film quality and they are up to the, the snuff of being you know, a Marvel property, I would go ahead and push those closer together. You know, I wouldn't make people wait six months in between each series. I would put them because also like with these things being put on pause, they're going to have to pause their movie plans, too, because a lot of these movie uh, shows are supposed to be prerequisites to the movies. So there's definitely going to have to be a lot of, you know, be some compacting going on there. Well, there looks like there's going to have to be some compacting going on there. And so maybe some rearranging of the stories you want to tell or the hints you want to give to other shows and other series. But yes, there is going to have to be some type of restructuring within the framework of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to Phase 4. Josh and I both agree that Black Widow should be moved to the November release in and around where the Eternals is scheduled to be at right now in November 2020. So... I want to hear your thoughts out there from everyone. If you've got to change what's going on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, do you have something else in mind? Again, I'm going to go ahead and run it down what I think that if I was Kevin Feige, I would be thinking about right now. And that is starting off with the Falcon and Winter Soldier in August. You go with Black Widow, the movie, going to November. Right after that, WandaVision coming right now in either late 2020 or early spring 2021. That's what I think maybe you should still be able to do because I think they should have enough at that point to go ahead and, and do the series. In February, I want to move the Eternals to move to February. I want to go ahead and put Loki out in the, into the late spring. That will be coming to Disney+. Plus. I want to go ahead and keep, because I don't really have any other great alternatives at this point in time, Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness still keep that may 7th date for next year the one thing i really want to go ahead and move off the schedule at this point in time whether or not hawkeye is still going to be a fall release of 2021 we're still not sure what's going on there is the what if series that is scheduled for summer 2021 that i would move off the books until 2022 i would move shang chi over from its february starting point right now I would move that into the summer of 2021 and then end the year in November 2021 with Thor Love and Thunder. What are your thoughts out there with that entire shakeup and juggling of the schedule of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Did you like what we presented on today's show or do you have something else in mind? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. We're almost on out. Just want to thank everybody for listening and also watching us right here on our YouTube channel pop culture cosmos 
But before we head on out, my friend, I did want to go ahead and address something that we talked about during the course of the show, and that is the theater industry itself. I want to ask you your thoughts on this, my friend, because in recent times, because of the sheer financial stress of closing so many theaters around the country, they're now asking the government for some help, some financial assistance to keep them solvent at this point in time. With so many businesses and so many individuals in need right now due to the financial crisis based off of what's happened with the coronavirus, do you see this as something that the theater industry should get a priority over? Do you see the theater industry as being an entity that should get bumped up to the front of the line or near to the front of the line? Do you think that the theater industry as a whole is deserving of that type of marketplace, that type of of thought as far as being a marketplace that needs some type of assistance from our government and from governments in general, European, Asian markets, doesn't matter. All of them are clamoring for help right now. Do you think they should be helped out? That's a tough one. I've actually been thinking about this, you know, because like I said earlier in the show, I think that this goes to show you what this virus has done besides, you know, the obvious is it's kind of shown us how the movie industry needs to be restructured, right? It, like I said, a lot of people were in this era of Netflix and chill, and a lot of people are willing, obviously, by you know them putting The Invisible Man and uh, you know Onward and stuff like that on TV screens, out on video on demand. People are are out there buying them. People are out there paying that twenty dollars to watch these movies, and I think this goes to show that there needs to be a restructuring of movie theaters. You know, it needs to be, if you want people to go to the movie theaters, you need to lower the cost or you can, uh, these studios can move to this format where people are able to watch these movies from home because they're still paying to see these movies that the price doesn't seem to be an issue as long as they can watch it from their couch. So this kind of shows me that people just don't want to go to the movie theaters anymore. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the price of the movie theater. So the what what if they're able to get put something straight to video on demand and put, someone is willing to pay $20 for it, what do the theaters offer? You know, what is that? If I'd be curious to see how the numbers match up. Like if someone were willing to put a movie in theaters and then make it available on video on demand, like a big film, how would the two stack up against each other? Would you find more people wanting to stay on their couch to watch the movie or would you find more people wanting to go to the movies? Because the movies, it's it's a big ordeal. Like, think about it. By the time you take your, say it's a family film, by the time you take an entire family to go see the movie, you're coming out of there with almost a $200 bill, you know, and that's assuming you bought popcorn and all that stuff. So, but then you have, you prepare dinner and you watch the movie from your couch you're paying less money and you're probably going to have more people wanting to watch that movie. It's a double-edged sword, man. What are your thoughts on this? Well, it's hard to say that because depending on the movie, let's go back to Black Widow. Black Widow is going to be an event movie when and if it ever gets out released to the theaters. That's a movie people will go to see. So if you're saying, oh, let's just go put it on video, yeah, it would sell more upfront in video on home video than it would have if it had gone standard. Okay, it's going out for X amount of time in the theaters and it goes to X amount of time on digital, Blu-ray, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But the problem is, I think, what was it uh, I heard the other day? Six, like five or six different ways a movie can make money. 
And the first obviously is going to the theaters. If you go ahead and you ax and you cut out that first opportunity to make and generate revenue and you go straight to video, that's something, no matter how much upfront money you get from that home video, $20 buying in by now that you would not normally get if it was released in a normal cycle of time, it's still only going to make up a small percentage of what you would make if you released it into the theaters. Again, this has been an interesting social experiment because if I were someone who was making movies or even making products, like this would be a good time to take notes and find out what what the consumer is like in 2020, what they want, how they consume their goods. This is a goldmine of information that is happening right now. Goldmine of information as far as all the possibilities that could come out of it and what's going to end up happening to the theater industry after this coronavirus situation ends, and hopefully it'll end sooner rather than later. Because right now, the theater industry is in dire need of something Obviously, at this point, they're really hurting as an industry worldwide. I mean, you see, and, you know, let's just take a look at the latest numbers from Box Office Mojo. When you look at them, the latest numbers that they posted for Thursday was the winner was Onward with $33,000 domestically. That is nationwide in the United States, $33,000. To give you an idea, off the top of my head, Avengers Endgame probably made that at each theater in an hour or two hours or three hours in just a very short period of time. You know, so it just tells you right now how dire the situation is. But then again, there's so many industries out there also feeling the impact from this coronavirus. The government cannot help everyone. And that's the problem. They have to prioritize exactly who, which industries they should help. But the first thing is that they should help first most is the consumers out there at large. And that's something that I'm hoping will be done sooner rather than later. Not trying to get all political or whatnot, but who need the help most. First are the people who are actually suffering the most from this crisis, and that's you and I. Yeah, I agree. You know, and we're seeing a lot of political jabbing at people during this whole passing the bill to put the money out to help so-and-so and it's like why can't we all just come together man why can't... this is like a good time for us to stop bickering back and forth and stop hating and just like do what's good for everybody and that even now it seems is not possible it's just the way our society is set up my friend unfortunately that's just the way it goes i have a theory and tell me what you think about this theory i believe that there is no such thing as being content because most people are not content unless they have something to complain about. Yeah. Yeah. It usually is the case. I know it's the case for us each week right here on the show. Only when we talk about King Arthur and that's mostly you. No. What about toilet paper? Oh, that's true. I need toilet paper. Hey, if you guys have some toilet paper, uh, feel free to uh, send it through email or uh, just pop a picture up on our social media pages. We'd appreciate it. Fair enough. Just look for Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, Instagram, and you can email us, popculturecosmos and yahoo.com, plus all the latest news and information right here at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I had a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we head on out, any last things you want to say, Kevin slash Josh? Yes bring back charlie cox's daredevil that was an absolutely fantastic series and i really want to see that come back i hope the rumors are true 
that he's going to be in the next Spider-Man film because that would be absolutely fantastic. One day we'll hopefully know for sure if that's the case. And for all those who love that character and many of the Defenders, let's hope that they will go ahead and get a second life in the MCU. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.